Well, Father, we are honored, God, to be in your house today. Father, it's, a, it's an honor to come and just to worship you and to love on you. Father, it's an honor to, um, some, in some way, in our own small way, to give back to you what you've given to us. God, we thank you today for how much you love us. Lord, we thank you for how much you care for us. Lord, we thank you today, God, that you have a uh, great plan and a great purpose for every one of our lives. And, Father, we uh, recognize today, God, that you've invited every one of us to walk into deep levels of intimacy with you. God, you've called us, God, to know you and to be known by you. And so, Father, today we just pray, God, that you would open our hearts up, God, so we could receive from you today, God, so we could uh, step in into a deeper relationship with you and to know you more. Father, thank you. Uh, just for the Holy Spirit today, who's the uh, spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, come and teach today. Come and open our hearts, open our eyes, and open up our ears to receive from you. You're so welcome. Father, we thank you that we have a sure promise from you. God, where two or three are gathered in your name. God, you're in the midst. And so come with your presence. Thank you for your anointing today. Thank you for your anointing, God, where your word says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So, Father, we bless you today. and We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, um, I want to continue our series on discipleship. Uh, I know it's been a while uh, since we've had, uh, you know, holidays and special services. So I want to take a few, uh, maybe a few minutes, kind of get us back on the same page, not only us that are regulars, but also uh, with you guys that are visiting. So, you know, kind of the angle we're coming from. So anyway, it's a few weeks back, probably a few weeks before Christmas. Uh, we actually begin to ask ourselves a question uh, that's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. This is where Jesus was 12 years old. Uh, he went to, basically, we know that uh, his parents pretty much left him in Jerusalem. They, you know, three days later, they came back. And when Mary basically uh, came to Jesus, Jesus asked her this question. He said, why do you seek me? Why do you seek me? We took that question and uh, tried to make it personal. And we just simply asked ourselves this. Am I seeking God for the same reason he wants to be found? It's a pretty great question, isn't it? And then we broke it down even more and just asked ourselves in a real simple, practical way. Am I reading the Bible for the same reason God wants me to read the Bible? Am I praying for the same reason God wants me to pray? Am I praising God for the same reason he wants me to praise? Am I worshiping for the same reason he wants me to be worshipped? Because how many of you guys know God is extremely intentional and he has a plan and a purpose in every one of those areas for our lives, right? And so if he is intentional, it is it, it would behoove us. To basically come in agreement, come in alignment with what he is doing and what he is desiring to do in our lives so we can walk uh, with him in deeper ways. Amen. So the, we're basically said that, am I praising God for the same reason he wants me to praise? That's where we ended uh, several weeks ago. So I just want to uh, throw out a few reminders to you, maybe to get the gears turned and so we can move forward. But the first thing I want you to remember is this, is that biblically praise, praise and worship are similar in their purpose, uh, but they're each distinct or they're each different in their own unique way, meaning that they both have their own nature and they have their own expression. Would you agree with that? In other words, how we express ourselves in praise and how we express ourselves in worship are two different things. And so, for example, the word praise means this. It means to applaud. It means to declare the worth of and and get that word to declare. It means to express the approval or the admiration of. It means to recognize the glory, to adore. And probably my favorite one of all of that definition, it means to celebrate. Can somebody say celebrate? 
So when we praise God, it's an actual celebration of who he is and what he's done in our lives. And, uh, you know, so when we look at that, even that definition and look at the word even celebrate, we can see that uh, praise is extroverted in its nature. It's extroverted in its expression. In other words, it requires action. It requires something to be outward. Let me maybe say it this way. If you're praising God, nobody's going to be standing in the room wondering what you're doing. It's going to be very evident that you're praising God. Amen. So we see these uh, outward expressions throughout the Bible and the way God has given us to praise him. So remember that God, and this is very important, and I I hope this really lodges in your heart. It's very simple, but I hope it lodges in your heart. But remember, he wants us to express our praise to him by very simple things, singing, playing musical instruments, shouting, right, lifting our hands, clapping our hands, dancing and standing. Is that true? So the last thing I want to remember about praise is this, and this is huge. This is uh, extremely important. It's this, that there's no such thing as my way or our way of praising God. There's only his way of praising him. Yes. So in other words, you know, and not to be judgment, critical or anything like that. But at the end of the day, if I'm not doing it his way, I'm ultimately not praising him. Yes. So listen, so as as you and I. Uh, you know, are striving basically to move forward or to grow in our expression of praise, we should remember that we need to do it his way and not our way. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's turn our focus this morning to worship. So in just simply asking the question, am I worshiping for the same reason he wants me to worship? Um, you know, let me, let me maybe, I guess, uh, kind of put some misnomer, some prerequisites out here really quick before we dive into this. Um, you know, t- this morning is really going to be like trying to take a 15-gallon bucket of water and go throwing it in the ocean. You, you know, it's, it's really how in the world do you express intimacy? How in the world do you express something in language, uh, you know, just by mere words of, of, you know, the deep recesses of your heart? You know what I'm talking about? In other words, in other words, you that have been there that have worshipped God, you, you, you know, it's almost like, let me maybe say it this way. Um, have you ever, fellas, I'll talk to you, have you ever grabbed a, a uh, you know, a Valentine's card, an anniversary card, or a birthday card for your wife and opened it up and wanted to write something that's in there to tell her how much you love her and just feel after it's all, you know, said and done, you, you write it, make sure there's no errors, right? You look at it and you just feel like it's so inadequate of what's really in your heart. Are y'all with me? Yes. Are y'all live this morning? Yes. Okay. So, you, you know, I, you guys that have kids... You know, I cannot tell you how many times I have looked at my children and just wished there was a way that I could really express how much I love them. You know, buying them something just doesn't do it. Saying I love you just doesn't do it. So, you know, so take that in in mind that if I can't do that with my wife and I can't do that with my kid, how in the world am I really going to do that about God? Yes, because, listen, you, you know, for my wife, and my children, there's nobody on this planet that I love more than them. But I certainly love God more than I love them. Yes. So take it up a whole nother notch. So anyways, kind of said that to say, uh, you, you know, at the end of the day, uh, this sermon is just going to we're going to take the best shot at it. <laughs> All right. Is that fair enough? So. So listen, let me say this kind of route the gate as well. Um, I don't believe that intimate worship is something that we can learn by reading a book. I don't think it's something that we can learn by taking a class, and I don't think it's something that we can really learn by listening to hundreds of sermons. At the end of the day, listen, uh, intimate worship can only be learned through personal experience. Where's that personal experience happen? It's in the secret place. Amen? So, so listen, there's things for you and I, or just people in general, that God will only share if we're in the secret place. 
Yes? Yes? So, yes? So, so listen, today I want, you, I want you to understand, maybe filter this to this thought. If, if this is the only time when the band, you know, when the band sparks it up, they kick it up and they start singing, if that's the only time that I'm actually worshiping God, then I'm, then I'm missing some great, great opportunities. I'm missing the greatest invitation that I've ever been given to come and just be with Him. Y'all are quiet this morning. All right, so let's start off. I'll help you. All right, let's start off by reading a verse in Psalms 37, verse 4. Don't, don't flip there. Stay in Revelation. I told you I'd get there in a minute. But Psalms 37, 4 says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. What an awesome verse. Okay, so let me give you an example really quick. Allison Glenn, I told you I was going to use you, so come quickly, quickly, quickly. Route the gate. I'm not going to make Glenn dress up today. He's, he, he's still working through healing, inner healing, after uh, we made him do that Christmas thing. All right, so watch this. You stand over here, that'd be great. All right, so watch this. Stand really close. All right, so let me give you an example of, of I just meant her. Stand back off, man. Aha, uh-huh, back off. Man, he's already mad at me throwing my stuff. All right. All right, respond. All right, there we go. All right. Better settle down. All right, here we go. All right, so let me give you an example of at least the way I perceive this verse of delight yourself in the Lord. But so just imagine this. Let's say it's these guys' anniversary, okay? And, and Glenn decides to take Allison out for a romantic evening at the best restaurant in town. It's going good, right? All right, so listen. So while they're at the dinner uh, table, she asks him this. She says, uh, you know, why did you decide to do this? He reaches across the table. Takes her by the hand, looks her straight in the eye, and he says these amazing, well-thought-out words. Because it is my duty. So, ladies, let me ask you a question today. How many of you guys think the rest of the evening is going to go well for Glenn? Not going to go well at all. So, listen, you see these words when he says, it's my duty, it dishonors her and it produces negative results. Very negative results. Amen. So listen. So for Glenn's sake and for his safety, let's hit the rewind button. Okay. So while they are at dinner, she asked him, why did you decide to do this? He reaches across the table and takes her by the hand and looks her straight in the eye and says these amazing, well thought out words. Allison, it's my delight. L- listen. It's this, it's Glenn saying this, I can think of nothing else that makes me happier than to be with you. Ladies, how many of you guys know that the evening is going to go much better for him now? So so listen, you, you see the words, it is my delight, honors her, and it produces positive results. So listen, let me make kind of make a point here. God wants us to worship because we delight in him. Not because we feel like it's our duty or it's our obligation. Amen? So listen, some obligation, and, and I think it's just really the word that we have to perform. See, worship that's done out of obligation dishonors him and it goes nowhere. Is that true? But worship that's done from a delighted, joyful heart honors him and leads to true intimacy. Give these guys a hand. So, all right, so... 
just kind of set the table here. All right. So with that said right there, so that worship comes to that we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. I think that as we delight ourselves in the Lord, there are certain qualities uh, that need to be deeply rooted in our heart that God wants us to have in us if we're going to enjoy the intimacy that we were created for. So uh, let's take a second. You're there in Revelation, right? I'm going to read one more verse before we get there. All right. So um, let me maybe say this. My hope is today is that we'll somehow catch a glimpse of what heaven's worship is like and not only give us, you know, maybe an example of what our worship should be like, but at the same time that we'll catch the heart of what a true worshiper really is. Fair enough. So I want you to remember this one thing that Jesus taught us in Matthew 6:10. before we go to Revelation. He said this. And you've all heard it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on as it is in as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So when we read these verses, I want you to understand that it is the will of God for this expression that's in heaven to be the expression of worship here on earth. Amen? All right, so if you're there in Revelation 4, say, oh, yeah. Gave you all a long time to get there. Look in your concordance. All right, here we go, or your, or your index. Table of contents, that's what I'm looking for. All right, here we go. Revelation 4. If you got concordance, you're a bad man jamming here today. All right, so verses 10 and 11. It says this, verses 10 and 11, it says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, and here's the key part, you are worthy. Somebody say, you are worthy. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, you are worthy. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. Flip over to Revelation 5, verse 11 and 12. Says this in verse 11 says, then I looked, I love this scripture, get the magnitude here. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. A lot. Alabama math. That's a lot. All right, here we go. So verse 12, get this. It says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Can we say that? Say worthy is the lamb. It says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Here's what I want us to know. It's the first thing today that in Revelation four and five, God is addressed by those who surround the throne. Please get this by those who are looking at him, seeing him with unveiled eyes. They are constantly addressing him as being worthy. Can somebody say worthy? Now, this simple repeated declaration, you are worthy, really reveals to us the heart of worship. And, and here's here's what I want us to get today. Or at least one thing that our word worship, if you know it or not, our English word worship actually comes from the Latin word worth ship worth W.O.R.T.H. worth ship. And so obviously the ship there at the end means the condition of or the state of. So basically what, it, what this is saying when they're saying you are worthy, they are saying that God is in the condition or the state of, of, of worthiness. Are you all following me? In other words, that he is of great worth. Yes. So our word worship comes from the word worth. So therefore, the first thing that we got to get is that um, the first quality that must be rooted in our hearts is, is this as we worship God, that we have to understand that we are doing more than singing some song. We are actually from our hearts declaring to him his worth and declaring to him his value. So this morning when you were singing was, you know, bottom line is God wants us to do that from our heart, that we understand his worth, that we understand how his value is. It, you know, in that moment, you know, think, think beyond three cross street and understand that moment we're joining heaven and declaring his worth. 
And it's not, listen, it's not because necessarily of what he's done for us. It's simply because of who he is. Yes, it's who he is. So let's look at two other verses really fast out of Revelation. Revelation 7:11. Not the gas station. All right, here we go. It says, all the angels stood... Revelation 7:11 says, "All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. Watch this, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God." 11:6, Revelation 11:6 says this. You can just listen. It says, "And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God." This is a repeated thing throughout the Bible. Yes. That where people literally saw him and they fell down. So here's the, I guess, something I want to see. That when the host of heaven, once again, the ones who uh, seen with unveiled eyes. And please understand this. These are ones that have seen them since eternity's past. It's not their first time. It, it, this, is, this is a, a continual thing, repeatedly. You, you know, it's, so, it's, it's amazing to me because I think sometimes, let me, let me take a trail here, that sometimes we get so used to Jesus. And we treat him as common, Right? Yes, in other words, we get used to church, we get used to praise and worship, and somehow, if you, here, if you don't believe me, just go back to when you were first saved and how you responded and how you acted, how you were so thankful and so in awe. It's amazing how much, sometimes the older we get, we lose sight of that. Is that true? Is that true? But here's, here's the, the host of angels and elders and all that in heaven, they never... Never get tired of seeing his glory. And every time they see a new facet, you know, some theologians talk about God turns and he shows them another uh, another uh, bit of his glory that once again they fall smack down on their face and, and just start worshiping him again. Yes. So. So listen. So once again, when they see his glory, they immediately fall down and worship him. So this expression, this outward expression, please get this. We are going somewhere. It reveals to us another quality that God desires for us to have in our hearts. Watch this. It's going to take me a second here. Listen to this definition. This is actually what the definition means in the Greek language, one of them. Worship means this. It means to stoop down or to make oneself low, to bow down as an act of submission. Somebody say submission and reverence. So to stoop down and to make oneself low, to bow down as an act of submission and reverence. The picture here that it gives in the Greek is basically uh, is that we bow down at his feet. And, and maybe I'm going to get ahead of myself and I'll come maybe back to it. But, but when you look at actually what the word worship there means, it's the Greek word proskunio. And the word pros means to fall prostrate on the ground. And kunio means to kiss. It's a beautiful, intimate thing. Yes? So, you, you know, to, may, to maybe give you, you know, once again, I'm going to get ahead of myself. But, but you know, the, probably one of the greatest examples outside the worship of heaven that we see in the Word is the woman who brought her alabaster box and broke it. What did she do? She bowed down, stooped low. She came in submission and reverence, and she kissed him. Now, watch this. What was the ultimate sign of false worship in the Bible? Is fast forward to uh, basically the Passion Week, right? Judas walks in the garden, and what does he do? He kisses, he cuneos. Jesus, and he denies him. And let me show you the difference between the two of why one was real worship, one was false worship, meaning that you can still go through the motions and one be real and the other one not. Okay, watch this. Let me show you some verses from that, from the, this definition, to stoop down to make oneself low. It says this in Psalms 95.6. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Can somebody say bow down? 
Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalms 99, 5 says, exalt the Lord, our God, and worship where? At his footstool. Once again, at his feet. He is holy. Fast forward to when Jesus was born in Matthew 2, verse 11. It says, and when they had come into the house, some of the wise men, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Matthew 28, 9 says, and as they went to uh, tell his disciples, this was after the resurrection. It says, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. All right, so looking at that definition, once again, to bow down, to make oneself slow, uh, to surrender. Are you following me? But by looking at that definition and by looking at those scriptures, really what God wants to be in our hearts when we worship him is one word. It's called humility. That was the difference between, between the woman that came and broke the alabaster box. She, she had a heart that was full of brokenness, that was full of humility, that was full of just gratefulness and, you know, thankfulness. You, you know, it's, it's this beautiful picture that as she lavished her love on him, he lavished forgiveness back on her. Right? That he restored her to her value and her worth. Yes? So, and then if you fast forward once again and you look at Judas, what was absent? It was humility. Yes? So the quality that he wants us to have is humility because it takes humility to worship God in an authentic way. So actually, I want to read to you really fast uh, one thing that an author wrote. And uh, some of it fits for us, some of it doesn't. So once again, what's for you, take it. What's not, throw it out, okay? So, but he said this. He said, he said, no doubt a major problem that debilitates our worship is pride. He said, pride is probably the greatest hindrance in worship. It's true, isn't it? says, pride has ruined far more worship services than all the forces of hell combined. That's a powerful statement. It is pride that gravitates toward conservative, low-key worship because the ego is never fed by all-out worship. That's good, isn't it? It's a good place to say, oh, yeah. He says, it is pride that restrains us from lifting our voices without fear in the congregation. Pride will rob us of the joy and joy and release that comes when we dance or lift our hands or bow in the presence of the Lord. Pride will incarcerate or imprison us in a self-conscious prison of spiritual bondage. Pride comes up with excuses such as and you can fill in the blank here, but pride comes up with such excuses as, uh, well, that's just not my style of praise. Or you said, I'm just not feeling it this morning, however you want to do it. And, and here's the true part is pride never takes blame or acknowledges the fault. In other words, we always look to someone. Pride always looks to someone else and says it's on them that I couldn't enter into worship. Let me maybe add something here before I read the rest. I hope that all of us in this room understand that God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Okay. I, I love what the psalmist said. He says, even if I made get this in context of what he's saying here. He said, even if I made my bed in hell, you were there. Now, obviously, we know hell's the separation of God. But what he's saying is, is even in that verse, the, the, the picture that he uses, I love this, that he says that if he actually was sitting on a cloud and he rode a sunbeam, in other words, we've all seen when the clouds separate and the sunbeam hits the ground. He says, if I rode that sunbeam as fast as, you know, from the sky to the ground, you would already be there because you're everywhere. So here's the thing. When we worship, it doesn't really matter what's happening in this room. What matters is happening in here. So all I have to do is do what? I just got to step in. Right? Yes? So, see, see what? Okay, let me say it maybe this way. It may make more sense. 
what happens is, is the reason we feel the presence of God in worship is because we finally turn to a station. We finally start focusing on him. You, you know, in other words, we, you know, you go through, we all go through our lives and, and we go, well, God, where are you at? And we think that, okay, when we come and we start singing songs, he comes. It's not really that we sing a song, he comes. It's that we finally started giving him some attention that, that it, once again, he didn't come. He was already there. We just started noticing him. Are, you, are y'all following me? Yes. You know, we, we might talk about it next week, but, you, you know, in Matthew 6, it talks about uh, the secret place, and it talks about God already being there, that he's there waiting on us. We act like we come in the room, and we somehow wait on him. Folks, he, he, um, he came 2,000 years ago, <laughs> at least the Holy Ghost. We're not waiting anymore. You know, he's waiting on us. That's why, you know, we saying earlier, or know that scripture, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. We got to take that step. Yes. All right, so let me finish telling you what this guy said. He said, the very essence of worship is self-abasement and humility. Worship is the humbling of self and the exalting of God. He says, we have developed the remarkable ability, however, to worship the Lord without sacrificing our own sophistication. He says, pride is highly susceptible to peer pressure in worship. We tend to be more concerned about the opinions of others than we are about the opinions of the Lord. So true, isn't it? So, you, you know, part of it that I would hope that that we would we would never act different if somebody's watching us. In other words, there's some, there should be something in us that never even does this. Well, let me turn it up a little bit, turn it up a notch because they're here. And we should never turn it down because somebody's there. We've got to be consistent with who we are. Right. In our own worship and, and just block out all them because it's really just about you and him. Now, obviously, we get to have corporate worship, but at the end of the day, it's personal walk. Yes. All right. So in that mindset of pride, let me show you maybe a unique verse. In Isaiah 6, 1, it says this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Get this. In the year that King Uzziah died. So when he died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Pretty good verse, huh? Now, watch this. What does that have to do with us? In 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16 is the key verse. But you'll find out that before that, that uh, Uzziah was a very humble man. And when he was humble before the Lord, the blessings of God came. Literally, they were, they, uh, were victorious. I mean, literally, just his, his, his reign was one of, one of uh, God's touch was on it and, and God was moving. And then it says in verse 16, and it said, but when his heart was lifted up. In other words, when pride came in, everything that he that was basically in his life through humility went the opposite way when pride came. Okay, so so to a lot of people at that point, Uzziah basically represented pride. So let's read it this way. In the year that pride died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Here's the point is when pride was removed out of the way, Isaiah saw God in his glory. So it's the same thing for us when we uh, when we basically allow God to to deal with our pride, when we repent of and we get it out of the way, when we actually have humility and surrender in our lives. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to see the glory of God. Amen. Amen. So listen, that can be in your private times and it can be in the corporate setting. Yes. In other words, when I come. What would happen? Let me maybe even go throw it out this. What would happen if all of us in this room came with humble, hungry hearts that are surrendered to him because we've already done that in our own time? And then when we came here, guess what happened? The glory's going to come. 
Yes, because we have a promise. Remember this verse, okay, just for us once again. The goal is not to beat anybody up here. The goal is just to say, hey, here's what the Lord's looking for. But, but remember this verse in James. It says that the Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. All right. So, you know, part of that grace, you know, maybe I'm stretching too far, but maybe, you know, that part of that grace is being able to enter into his presence. It's unmerited favor. Do we deserve to be in his presence? No, nope, but because we're humble and, and God draws near a contrite heart, guess what happens? His presence is there. Right. Amen. All right, so let's shift gears here a little bit. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We'll start off in verse 19. So let me let me kind of set this up for you. And, and once again, all these are pretty common scriptures. But but so here we are in John chapter four. We know that Jesus is walking with his disciples and we know uh, the Greek there says that he was compelled to go through Samaria. And obviously Jews didn't go through Samaria. We know that there was a rival between the two. And so anyway, so he's compelled because he had a he had a meeting with this woman. Once again, God does everything intentional. Right. And so he meets this woman by the well. And we know he says what he says. Hey, look here, lady. The uh, you know, you've already been married uh, five times in the man you're with. Now, that's not your husband. Right. You're not married. And then what does she say? Probably the one of the most uh, one of the most understatements in the whole Bible. I'm telling you, it's in the running. For the most, you know, the biggest understatement, she says this, uh, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> it's like he just read her mail and she's like, you're a prophet. Anyways, whatever. All right, maybe just me. So it says this. It says in verse 19, it says the woman, once again, the Samaritan woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And, and it goes this, verse 20, our fathers, this is what she said. It, maybe, maybe let me say this to you before we get where we get here. Notice what was really on the woman's heart. Notice really what she was longing for deep within. In other words, he called her out. Let, let me maybe paint this picture a little better. Better. Here's this woman that had been running to all these men for love. Let's call it like it is. Let's bring it to today, right? Right? She's already she's on she's on number six. Okay. So five guys didn't meet it. Six is probably not meeting it. And, and so she perceives he's a prophet. She, she could ask him a thousand different things, but the first thing she wanted to talk about was worship. Because there was something in her heart that knew that she was missing something there and that that's where the fulfillment in life could really come from. Because why? Because she, let me just say it, she wanted to be really known and really loved. We all are born with that, yes? yes. All right. So watch this. So she goes, I perceived you're a prophet. And then she goes, our fathers worship on this mountain. And I'm probably going to say it wrong, but that's Mount Gerizim or whatever. And uh, it says, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Basically, what that means is this is because Samaritans couldn't go to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. They, they made kind of like the rival temple and said, OK, that's where we go and meet with God. That's where we worship. Now, here's what's amazing about this. This portion of scripture, Jesus is about to blow this woman's mind and totally redefine for her what worship really is. OK, says this. We'll pick back up. Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Verse 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Meaning that he's saying this, 
that, that the time is now that it's no longer about a physical location. It's no longer about uh, rituals and, and sacrifices. It's no longer about all these things. In other words, God's not so much concerned about the physical geographical location you're in as much as he's concerned about the, uh, the location of your heart, the condition of your heart. Okay? And then it says, oh, this isn't the point, by the way. This is just extras that I took out. Here we go. Verse 22 it says, you worship what you do not know. We know uh, what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is. Can somebody say now is? Let me ask you a question. Did that, did that ever, did God ever shut the door on that? You all should have said no. Did God ever shut the door on that? No, he didn't. Okay. So the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there today. Wish I had time, but I don't. It says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Here's the number one thing I want us to grab in the scripture. It's my favorite thing in the scripture. Is that, notice this, that Jesus didn't say that the Father was looking for worship. He said he was looking for worshipers. Are y'all with me today? That he wasn't looking for worship. Meaning this is that God is not, that God didn't on today uh, run all around America and go, man, can, I hope I can find a really good singer. I hope I can find a really good, uh, you know, maybe the perfect song selection that would somehow make me feel good. See, the bottom line is God's moving through the entire world every day of the week, not looking for worship, not looking for talent, but he's looking for people that have a heart to worship him in spirit and truth. He's looking for the person, the worshiper. Yes? That's what he's seeking. Okay, so let me give you a few examples, and we'll land this thing. Of uh, Let me give you, in fact, three people that I would say that are true worshipers in the Bible, okay? There's a lot of them, but we're going to center on these people. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, it's Abraham. It's Abraham. Well, no, actually, the first place that worship is ever mentioned is in this portion of Scripture in Genesis 22. But here's what I want us to see. That when God tested Abraham, he said this, Genesis 22, 2. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. And it says, sacrifice him there. Get this. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Are we not, I'll just say it like this, are we not guilty of reading scriptures again and again and again and not maybe putting ourselves in the shoes of the individual and thinking really about the moment? So raise your hand real quick if you've got a kid. i got four, okay? Okay, i got, I got four of them. If I don't do something soon, I'm going to have five of them. All right, so, <laughs> um, so help me, Jesus. All right, y'all pray for me. All right, so anyways. So, so put yourself in that spot, but let's, let's make it even deeper, okay? You, this guy couldn't have a son, right? There was a longing in his heart. This son that they gave and that God gave was an absolute miracle, yes? And, and once again, I don't believe he was a little boy. I believe he was a young man because he carried the wood up the mountain. Remember that, okay? But, but here's the thing I want you to get. So, so we put ourselves in his shoes that here it is, you know, whatever, our, our son, our one and only son, and God says, sacrifice him. That's a little difficult, Lord, right? So listen, though, it's at this great challenge to think that God would ask us to place, uh, to place what we love the most on the altar. Okay, but Abraham built an altar. Then he bound his son, laid him on it. He reached out his hand, took up his knife to slay his son. And we know the story because it says in verse 11 and 12, it says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. He said, Do not lay a hand on the boy. 
He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know, get this, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me uh, from me, your son, your only son. What a powerful thing. Now I know. I'm telling you guys, uh, listen, we go through now I know moments in life. Do we not? We go through those moments. You, you know, to sit back and to think that, you know, the Lord uh, somehow doesn't require things of us. He may not ask us to go, you know, strap our son in time to an altar and pull up a knife. But there's things that he asks us to do that are the now I know moments where there's something that God wants to really know what's in our heart. Yes. So, listen, once again, that, that is not me saying that God puts sickness on people. No, I'm not talking about that mess, okay? I'm just saying there's, there's tough spots in life that we walk through that are those kind of moments. Well, watch this. Here's the point. It's true worshipers are willing to surrender it all. They're willing to give up and trust God with the things that matter the most to them in order to fulfill His will. Worshipers are really this. They're defined by obedient hearts and complete trust. That's it. Once again, God's looking for worshipers. What's the things he's looking for? He's looking for obedient hearts. He's looking for people who have complete trust. He's looking for people who are willing to surrender. So, you know, to ask ourselves maybe a few questions is this. Is are we willing to lay it all down? We've all said it. But are we willing to do it? Right. We've all had those moments where we said something at altar that uh, we really meant in good intentions. But when the rubber really hit the road, it was completely different. when We got up. Yes, but, but God's looking for those who really mean it. You know, are we willing to give up our hopes? Are we willing to give up our dreams? Are we willing to give up our desires if he requires it of us? Anybody ever been there? In other words, there's something that, man, you just, man, I, God, I want that. And God says, come on, trust me with it. Can you give it to me? Can you give it to me? Yes? Some of y'all guys, that's been a husband, that's been a wife, that has been your kids. Yes, can you trust me with it? Because, because our, natural, our natural tendency as humans is to, is to put our hand on it and to, and to try our best to make something happen. And, uh, you know, I, I read something the other day. I thought it was pretty interesting. It said this. It says, when, when we work, God rests. When we rest, God works. See, because it's that thing about when I'm resting, I'm trusting him. Right. It's that understanding that when I go put my hand on something, God takes his hand off of it. My job is to basically go and put my position, uh, put myself in a position of worship and surrender and going, God, I trust you in this situation. Now, listen, y'all that have kids that don't serve Jesus, that's probably the hardest spot to be in. Yes. But, but you know, what you got to remember at the end of the day is, is, listen, he wants that person to be in their, his kingdom more than you want him to be. You know, does he not love them more? You know, so, so we, can't, we can't stop and think for a minute that God's, you know, distant, doesn't care. He cares. Yes, He cares and He wants it. And so that's the part we've got to go, God, I trust you. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Um, it takes a long time. Sometimes it doesn't. Now, let me even share maybe a story with you. I don't know. I just feel like I need to share this with you this moment. Um, a pastor I used to work with, uh, he used to, anyways, worked at a church in Decatur, Alabama, and Every Sunday night, you know, that's kind of when they would probably spend more time praying about such things. There was a couple that would come to him, and it was mainly the wife. And she would say, uh, you know, Pastor, can you pray? He was a youth pastor at the time. He said, Pastor, can you pray for Sean? Can you pray for Sean? And so week after week, they pray for Sean because Sean was in drugs and, and uh, basically was strung out. He was homeless. He was, you know, he was just kind of running and doing his own thing. And um, 
Anyway, so this went on for a while, and literally almost every Sunday night they would pray for Sean. And one Sunday night, the senior pastor got up, and he gave an altar call. And uh, out of the balcony came walking this person and came down the altar, and it was Sean. And he gave his life to Jesus. Are you all following me? So, But here, here's the awesome part. It gets much better. Is he ended up basically going home, and, you know, here's mom and dad, and, and he strung out. I think he was on heroin. And, uh, and he was going, Mom, Dad, I, I just, just let me please go get a fix. I, I, look, let me get a fix, and I'll come back. And they knew if, if we let this guy out the door, it's done. And some of you guys have lived that. Yes? You know what I'm talking about. Now, watch this. Uh, there was a certain preacher on TV that they would watch. And so the preacher was on TV, and we can have all of our opinions on Christian TV. I get that, and a lot of it's understandable. But this guy's preaching, and he literally does this. He literally turns to the camera. He says, Sean, if you walk out that door, are you hearing me? And he says, God loves you. God. And Sean literally breaks and weeps at that moment and gets delivered. Are you hearing me? Now, here's what's awesome. That mom called the called literally the channel, the TV channel, to thank them. And they said, ma'am, that was a rerun. Are you following me? Listen, you you know, so to think for a minute that, listen, God, he hears us. Let me even say this. They're not here, but I'll say it. Okay. I was going to say this next week because we'll probably talk about prayer. But we'll go ahead and throw it out there just to encourage you. There's a couple that comes to church here. Okay. I won't say their name, but they're not here today. Okay. And, uh, the, basically, the husband was an alcoholic, and they would tell you this, by the way, so I don't, I'm not throwing something out there. Um, but anyways, he was an alcoholic and just totally in the world, and she ended up getting born again. And so she started going to a church, and uh, she, I think it was two years, she would basically come into church, maybe been longer, and she would sit down, and she would pray over the chair beside her. And she would say, Father, I thank you. This is my husband's seat. I thank you for his soul. Blah, 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 blah. People would literally come and go, can I sit in that seat? She'd say, nope, that's my husband's seat. For years, right? For years. You know the story, right? For years. And here's what's so awesome. Two years later, he went to church, okay? And uh, she said, I don't know if he got saved before or saved afterwards, but, but she literally, he walked in the door, whatever, they walked in the door, and she goes, uh, all right, you picked the seat. Actually, he said, well, where do you normally seat? She said, you picked the seat. Well, sit where you want to sit. You know where he sat? His chair. I've been there. Sanctuary is about 300 people, and he picked his seat. God cares, y'all. Yes? So, so listen, let me just encourage you today. Listen, dive into that secret place and keep praying. Keep believing God. Yes? Amen? All right, so let's go, let's go back here. Sorry. So, all right, so are we willing to say yes to whatever he asks us to do? I hope so. Because God's going to ask us to do things that aren't, um, yeah, they're not comfortable. God, God never, he's not sitting there going, let me make them so comfortable. <laughs> he's not. There's th- listen, the, the, the number one goal, once again, we've said it over the past few weeks, but the number one goal that he's trying to accomplish in your life is to make you more like Jesus. How many of you guys know that you don't change when everything's comfortable? Okay, so, so he's willing to ruffle it up a little bit. To somehow get you to change. And in those moments when you feel him stirring your heart, just say yes. Amen. So listen, are we willing to trust him even when we don't understand? Are we willing to lay down our own lives if necessary? It's really this. Are we really willing to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden? Father, your will be done, not my own. That's really what we're talking about. Because that's really the ultimate sign of worship. Yes? 
Second guy is this. Second uh, worshiper everyone talk about would be Job. You know, most of us in this room are familiar with Job's story, right? And one day his oxen, his donkeys, they were stolen. His sheep were destroyed. His camels were carried off. His servants were slain. And then top it off, his sons and daughters uh, were all killed when the house collapsed on them, right? So here's Job. He lost everything except a woman that became bitter with God. Yeah, you know, thanks God, right? And uh, But I want you to notice Job's first response, right? Yeah, he probably thought, why didn't you take her? But anyway, so, um, yeah, I'm sorry. So notice this in Job chapter 1, verse 20, all right? It says this, at this, at this, meaning all those things that we just mentioned. It says, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. In other words, he mourned. There's a time of mourning. We don't take that away. But it says, then he fell to the ground and worshiped. See, here's here's really what I think we can learn from a guy like Job is that Job wasn't responding to Holy Spirit goosebumps. Who do you feel him? I don't need to feel him. He's real. So I respond. Right. Yes. So he wasn't feeling some Holy Spirit goosebumps on this occasion. Quite the opposite. Here's this guy. He was literally in the lowest emotional pit of his entire life. But regardless of his feelings, can we say feelings? Feelings. He literally fell prostrate in worship, affirming God as the ultimate sovereignty in his life. Yes? Listen, guys, I cannot tell you how many things I don't understand. And I'm okay with that. Right? God's God, I'm not enough said. Yes? So so here's the point we're really making that worshipers, and let me maybe preface this. I get it there's a time that we all got to work through our emotions and feelings. We all got them, right? Yes. There's all times when we, you know, we'd rather go and kick that window out, right, than go sing, a, you know, hallelujah, kumbaya. You know what I'm saying? It, we, I get it, okay? There's all times we'd rather just weep and cry and not let the world fall apart. But, but at the end of the day, when kind of that's over, uh, we don't allow our emotions, our feelings to determine our worship. In other words, we don't let it keep us there. Because remember what we said at the top. When we worship God, we're declaring his worth. And my moods, my emotions, my preferences, my circumstances do not change his worth. Amen. That's a great place to say amen. See, worship isn't based on our feelings. It's based on God's greatness, and that never changes. He's great. I, I, you know, I think maybe that's one of the overall things I want you to see today. Is man, He's just awesome. You, you know, in, in fact, let me you know, throw this out there real fast. Um, it says in the book of John... This is when a blind guy was healed, and, and we know that he went to Jesus and said, you know, kind of what's the deal? And Jesus said, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, hey, I want to meet that man. Jesus says, I am that man. I am the Messiah. I'm the one you're looking for. And it says this. He says, Lord, I believe. And he fell down and worshiped. That's really the basis of our worship. Lord, I believe. That's where it really all begins. I worship because I believe. My, my belief gives uh, you know, um, action, it would give birth, however you want to say it, to my worship. And, and even in this sense, to the amount of my revelation of who he is really determines my, my level of worship. Yes? So if I'm a person that goes, I don't really know what all this is about. I need to go get revelation and figure out who God is so my heart can respond to him. Yes? All right. So thirdly is this. It's a guy named David. Okay? David, we're going to hustle up here, okay? First Chronicles 21, 23 through 24. 
I'll give you a little background here. Um, how many of you guys remember the story where, where David, um, where he basically, out of his own pride, once again, took a census of all the people. He sent his leaders out to count everybody, and we know that the judgment of God came upon them, correct? And a whole bunch of people in the kingdom died. And, and, you know, David came to his senses, went repented before the Lord, and the Lord gave him three options. And he took an option, and the option was basically to go to a certain man's house and to prepare a sacrifice and sacrifice for the Lord so pretty much what was happening would stop. Okay? Y'all with me? All right, so watch this. So God called him to go to a guy named, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, but Ornan's house. So it says this in verse 23 of 1 Chronicles 21. It says, but Ornan said to David, watch this. So the king comes to his step. He says, take it. What's it? He's saying, take the land. He said, take the land to yourself and let my lord, the king, do what is good in his eyes. He says, look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offerings. I give it all. In other words, he's saying this. You showed up at my doorstep. Everything I have I give to you to make it easy as possible on you. Are you with me? And then he says this. Verse 24, it says, And then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price. Somebody say price. It says, For I will not take what is yours for the Lord. It says, Nor offer burnt offerings, and here's the key part, with that which costs me nothing. You see, worshipers are willing to pay the price. Yes? Yes. And, and listen, I know that may sound really weird. But the bottom line is they don't care how much your worship costs them. And here's what it costs us. Death to our pride, death to our flesh. It might even cost us relationships. It might even cost us our reputation. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot that kind of goes on as we just willing to become the sacrifice and worship him. Yes? And the question is, is God is looking and searching for those who are willing to pay that price. And the reason that they're willing to pay that price is simply because of this. is because we understand that the reward of intimacy at the end of the day is far greater than the price that we would ever pay in the natural. Yes? That it doesn't matter. Literally, as a worshiper, it doesn't matter, God, what you want, us to, want to do in us, through us, what you want to change. At the end of the day, God, you're so worth it. Just being with you. And really, what's the reward? Look all the way back to Genesis where he told Abraham, God told Abraham, he said, I am your exceedingly great reward. It's God. That's what he rewards us with. He rewards us with his presence. Okay? So let's land this thing, and I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we're going to get out of here. Okay? Um, I want you to notice this before we ask these questions. Those three examples that we talked about right there, did you notice that music was never involved in any of them? But Because at the heart, listen, understand that there is worship, and there's an expression of worship through music that, uh, you know, that somehow it... Um, you know, God gave it to us basically to provide an atmosphere and all those things. But at the end of the day, worship is not a moment. Worship is our life. Yes. And so the question today is this, is, is you know, even beyond, uh, you know, singing a song, lifting our hands, you know, bowing before the Lord, getting on our knees, whatever. At the end of the day is our life. Is it worship unto the Lord? Because I like what Paul said. He says, do all things to the glory of God. In other words, once you, you follow me, we all we've all heard uh, Romans 12, 1 that says, brethren, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, living sacrifices. Right. It says, present yourself, blah, 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 because this is a spiritual act of worship. So your life is that. Yes. So so today, I, I guess it's that to, to maybe stretch our thinking beyond a moment and see that it's really our lives that honor him and worship him. OK, so here's some questions. Or here's some examples, maybe some true worshipers. 
is a true worshiper treasures his presence. A true worship longs for unhindered intimacy. They, they just want to be close to his heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's calling you. <sighs> Listen, they, they long to pour out their love on him. They are willing to spend, y'all get this, they're willing to spend more time with him than others believe is necessary. You ever been there? Man, why do you worship so much? Why do you have a secret place so much? Because he's there and he's better than you, you know? So, you know, listen, true worshipers don't consider their time with him a waste, a waste of time, right? They don't wait. This is huge. They don't wait till they get to church to become spiritual. A true worshiper doesn't go, oh, Sunday morning, I better put on my spiritual hat. That hat should have never came off. Yet you live with it, all right? So, listen, a true worshiper, they aren't waiting for the atmosphere to be just right before they can worship. They don't need the song to be perfect because they understand that God, uh, that they aren't singing for the worship team, but they're singing to God. They realize, once again, that he is worthy. And watch this, he's worthy more than one day a week. Okay? They don't care about what the crowd is doing or not doing. They're not ashamed to express their love for him. They don't allow their emotions or feelings to dictate the level of their worship. They love his presence, and they understand that his presence is always available, so all they have to do is step in. Some of these things I've already said. They understand that they don't have to be great singers or musicians to worship God. Because it's understanding at the end of the day, God's not looking for an outward performance. He's not looking for your talent. He's looking for your heart. If you sing like me, you're very glad about that. So they realize that worship is what? It's an outward expression, but it's also an inward devotion. They do everything once again for the glory of God. A true worshiper refuses to go through the motions. Haven't we all been there? Listen, a true worship accepts God's invitation to draw closer to his heart. A true worshiper responds to the revelation of who he is. A true worshiper is willing to be transformed in his presence. A true worshiper is willing to be cleansed by his consuming fire. We're almost done. Y'all look up here. By his consuming fire. And also, a true worshiper is willing to be still and know that he's God. Yes, and not be in a hurry. See, a true worshiper understands that. Uh, the deep inside of them is calling out to the deep of God. A true worshiper understands that it's this, that my soul thirsts for the living God. Amen? All right, y'all stand to your feet really quick, please. Took it easy on y'all today. We're getting out here quick. Listen, going all the way back to John 4, what's Jesus looking for? Sit down, I'm going to preach again. What's he looking for? Is he looking for worship? He's looking for worshipers. So if the Father is looking, searching, diligently looking for worshipers, then, then we should desire to become one. We should desire to become a worshiper. So when we read all those areas right there, you know, do those things define us? If not, we need to get them to define us. We need to put ourselves in a position so those things become us. And really, all, all in all, okay, and I'm not trying to bore you today. Once again, there's so much that I couldn't put in there. But at the end of the day, do you delight in him? Do you want to be with him? Do you long to be with him? Is there something inside of you that says, I have to be in his presence? Because there's that verse that messes with me. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I guess, just got this thing that when you taste him and you really encounter him, how could you not want more? Yes, so, you know, you know, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where you're at in your walk with him. There's always more. There's always more available. My encouragement to you today is that you would just take a step closer. Wherever you're at, that you would just go, okay, God, I thank you for meeting me there, but I know there's more. So, God, help me to put myself in a position to be with you. Okay? So let me get really practical with you, okay? Um, 
if we're not just supposed to worship on Sundays, then that means we need to make other moments throughout the week that we worship Him. Yes, once again, our life is worship, but is there any time that we turn toward Him and go, God, I'm going to give you uh, this amount of time just to be with you? Are, are you with me? In other words, do you make moments? Because here's what I've found with, with, with most Christians is they're content if they just say a prayer every day. You, you know, e- even this, I, you, you may give you a statistic that will blow you away. Years ago, I don't know, probably almost 20 years ago when I first got saved, I heard this and it blew my mind. But, but it said that the average pastor only prays five to seven minutes a day. And the average believer only pray, prays three to five and we wonder why we're getting our butts handed to us. True? So, so listen, so somewhere in, in your own life, I'm just going to ask you, uh, you, you know, I understand we all go well and busy. We're all busy. You know, you know, but the thing that really probably cuts me to the core with that statement is a guy named Martin Luther said one time, he said, I'm too busy not to pray. In other words, there's so much going on. There's so much stuff that God has me doing. I have to be with him. And at the end of the day, we all know what it's like to be dry as a bone in our souls. Yes? And we all know what it's like to be refreshed in Him. That, that waterfall never changes. We change. So it's to continue to put ourselves, once again, in a practical way. All you have to do is look at your schedule and go, okay, what, where, where's my moment? Where's my pockets? Where, where's the time I can go be with Him? And be disciplined in doing that. Yes? That's the tough part, right? You, you know, to even, even give you a thought, throw this out at you, Okay? You know, take an evaluation of maybe last week, real fast, okay? And go, how much uh, wasted time was there? How much time did I spend doing things that were absolutely meaningless? Well, have it. Yes? Okay? So, so to go, okay, Lord, you know, those things benefit me none. I'm not saying they're evil, I'm not saying they're bad, but they benefit us none in eternity. Okay? So to think, okay, what can I really do without so I can be with him? I can just worship him, okay? Let me give you a practical thing here really fast. You know, at our house, music is a really big deal. A really big deal. If you come to my house, you know, and I'm not slamming anyone that does, but you're going to hear one one set of music at my house. And it's going to be music that's anointed because it's worship. (laughs) And it's not just some random song. You know, we are very selective in what we listen to at our house. And, and what we play in our house. You know, if it's, uh, you know, in our kids' rooms, there's worship music playing at night. In our room, there's worship music playing throughout the day. Are you, are you following me? Because I, I want him to know you are so welcome in this place. And I, and I want to come home to a house of peace. I'm not saying it's always that with four kids. But, but I want to come home with a house of peace. And I, want, uh, and I want to recognize when God's there. I want to know when he walks in the room. Are you with me? I just want to be sensitive to him. Are you with me? You, you know, when, you know, listen, if you're a parent here, do, do, do yourself a favor. And this, this may sound mean to you, but you're the parent, not the kid. Okay? You determine the spiritual atmosphere in your house, not that child. So, you know, when it comes to my world, we're going to listen to my music, not your music. Fair, fair enough? Because, because, once again, I'm the priest, I'm the leader of the home. And, and obviously, my wife is absolutely in agreement with me, and this is the atmosphere we're going to have. Now, I'll tell you probably one of my best moments as a dad. Hopefully, I'm not boring you here. I probably went through a dry season because, let's, let's face it, they're there too, right? Okay, I was in a dry season. We're, we're going to be done here in a second. But, but I was in a dry season, and I can't tell you the last time I physically felt 
the presence of God. Now, it didn't stop my worship. It didn't stop my prayer life. It didn't stop my word life. But I just wasn't, like, basking in him nonstop. And, and one day I went, um, okay, I'm, I'm doing laundry, and I put on uh, some worship basically on YouTube. And it was playing on the TV. And I was sitting over there, and I was separating the, the laundry, and I just, it just sort of, like, caught me off guard. He's here. I was like, he's here. And I look up, and my little girl is on her face. She is literally on her knees, face in the carpet, hands stretched out, and she's worshiping Jesus. I didn't say, hey, baby, it's time to worship. Let's go. She recognized that he walked in the room. Are you following me? But, but listen, my kid would not have had that opportunity if I had somehow paved the way. And notice I wasn't feeling it in that moment. But just out of my own heart, my love for God, here we go. Are y'all following me? Now, the best part, you'll get a, you know, you'll love this. The, the son next to her came running down the stairs and kicked her straight in the head. <laughs> Got our spirit just like that, right? Yeah, anyway, so funny moment. Anyway, so listen, kids are a joy. Do me a favor. Let's just close our eyes really quick, okay? I know today wasn't a whole lot of palm serve stands, wasn't hollering, just basic stuff. But... Just in this moment, if, um, if you want to, obviously no music playing intentionally, but if you say, God, I want to become a, a, a worshiper, lift your hands really, really high. Yeah. Now understand this moment, God sees that. And he's going to require something of you to become that. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take trust. And it's going to take times, I promise you, where it's really inconvenient. There's, there's going to be times where you're wanting to do something else and you're going to feel the Holy Ghost go, hey, you going to come be with me? And at that moment, you have a decision to make. Will you go be with Him or are you going to keep doing what you're doing? I encourage you in that moment, respond. Respond. Respond to Him. Because that's when He's wanting in that moment to show you a secret about Him. That's when He's wanting to love on you. You just have to... Once again, respond out of obedience and go be with him. And that's where God stretches you and, uh, you know, basically just encourages you to love him more. So hands up high. I'm going to pray for you. Father, you see every one of our hands that are up. Lord, my prayer is, is, Lord, that all of us, me included, Lord, that that's what's really in our hearts. Father, and I just ask today that you would help us to become worshipers. God, I thank you that in our weakness, your powers may perfect. And Father, I thank you, God, that you are looking. And so, Lord, because you're looking, we want to become what you're looking for. And so, Father, all those things and much more that we talked about today, Father, we pray that you'd put that in us. Father, we want to be people who understand your worth. We want to be people, God, that are humble before you. God, that we want to be people, God, that don't let our feelings and our emotions determine how we respond to you. But, Lord, we want to be obedient children. We want to love you. And, Lord, help us understand today that you don't want us to worship you because you're on some ego trip. Really, the worship is really more for our benefit, not yours. Because, Lord, you just want to be with us. So, Father, thank you today, God, in us as our hands are lifted high. Father, thank you, God, for meeting us in this moment. Whatever you need to shift, whatever you need to reprioritize, Lord, we ask you to do it. Father, thank you for even showing us moments now, God, that says, yep, that's my window with him. That's my window for him. Father, help us to shift things around that need to be shifted so we can be with you. 
God, help us to understand that even, even um, you know, working for you, being like Martha's great, but Lord, being Mary's much better. So, Father, thank you for just showing us how to sit at your feet, how to stoop down low and to kiss your feet. Thank you for giving us a heart that loves to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You stay standing. I've got a few real quick announcements. And Kyle's going to come. He's going to close us in prayer. He just found that out. All right. So here's a few announcements. Thank you guys for coming, by the way. If anybody wants prayer uh, at the end, there'll be a few people down here to pray with you. And um, anyways, just thanks for coming. If you've got any questions, just let us know. So here's real fast announcements. Uh, Sunday, January the 24th. Can somebody say January 24th? Man, y'all said it like a minute. Like, January 24th. All right, here we go. January 24th. So, listen, after service on that Sunday, that's what, two Sundays from now, uh, there will be a lunch slash meeting. You get that word lunch, right? Uh, for all volunteers that want to serve in the nursery and children's ministry. I know last week we talked about getting involved. That's really a place that we have a really big need, okay? So, um, may not be your thing, but there's a need. Amen? So if we can fill a slot and pray some people in, that'd be awesome, okay? So anyway, anyways, anyone who is interested in being a part of this team, we encourage you to attend. Um, you know, sign up in the foyer. There's a thing out there so we can get a count for lunch. And, uh, you know, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I, I don't want to really go, okay, the kids are down there or whatever. Bottom line is, is listen, they, they are, we're stewards over them. Yes, God's bringing people to have kids because it's our responsibility to partner with these parents to help their kids grow in a godly way. We're not looking, hear this as a church, we're not looking for good kids. We want godly kids. And uh, Leah and all the people that help uh, down there, uh, man, they do a really good job. And it's Jesus, number one. Yeah, it's not entertain, it's not babysit. It's really about, they're, they're teaching kids how to walk with God. And, you know, even in my own children, I'm seeing the effects of what Leah and her team's doing because my kids come home and talk about it and there's things that because she asked them to do it, they do that. And so, you know, one of the things she's been teaching her kids is, hey, go home at night. And even if it's just one song, put a worship song going to worship Jesus. So listen, parents, that's something that you can help facilitate. Amen. Yes. And partner with, you know, the people that are trying to help your kids and to go, okay, let's spend time with God. And I know that may be awkward, but your kids need to see you worshiping. Okay, because the truth is, is they're going to imitate you. Okay, all right. So last thing or next thing, I got two more things. Is uh, CareNet forms? Remember that's on the back. CareNet's looking for sponsorship. Uh, remember the five dollars a month. Uh, you can find that paper also back on the table. Powerful ministry. And then the last one, a really awesome announcement. Uh, next Sunday at two o'clock, uh, Gretchen and Mark are going to get married, and so we want to invite all of you. So. Um, there's a there's a few things that I believe they need help with. If you get a chance, find uh, Gretchen Hope on Facebook, and you can find out. I think what's there. I think, or just talk to them. Whatever they're looking like, I'm crazy. So so Gretchen, wave your hand, real fast. Mark, wave your hand. We're really excited about these guys getting married. And so, anyways, so we're going to do that next Sunday. And uh, if you can, please come. Um, you know, and let's celebrate with them. Amen. Cal, let's go, buddy. It'll be at two o'clock after service. Yeah, we need time to set up. Let's bow our heads. So, Father God, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for your grace, for your mercy in our lives, for the call that you have in our lives, God. And thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. The Bible says, let it go out and not return void, and it has not returned void today, Lord. God, we just thank you, Lord, for, your, for your, everything that you're doing in our lives. We pray for 
for traveling mercies as we depart. Lord, we pray for this upcoming week. We pray for protection. We pray for blessings. We pray for our children. God, continue to watch over our children, Lord. Continue to watch over our families, our brothers, our mothers, our sisters, our fathers, Lord. Continue to use us, Lord. Use us. Use us. Use us. Call us out. Call us out. Put, them in, put us in situations, Lord, to evangelize. Put us in situations, Lord, to, to constantly, constantly, constantly bring the gospel out. God, you paid a high price. Jesus, you paid a high price for our, our salvation, and we did nothing to deserve it. We can't earn it. God, but you did it. You did it, and we're grateful, Lord. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time. I thank you for every man, woman, and child in this church, Lord. Protect and bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.